You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. A hearty hail and well met to all of thee and thine who have come here tonight at last. It is 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you know what that means? It's time for Mission Log Live. And we're discussing Lower Decks, Season 2, Episode 8, Where Pleasant Fountains Lie, Lie, Lie. And we'll be discussing all the things that are going on in Mission Log for this week. And the reason why I may sound a little toned down tonight, it's because I'm trying to get into the role of this medieval Renfair fantasy host. But let's kick up our energy up a notch. And uh, let us greet our beloved lady, Ashley V. Robinson, my lady. Welcome. And thank you for returning to our show. Megovanen and well met and other Lord of the Rings inspired <laughs> greetings to our liege. How are you? Are you ready for this? <laughs> oh, I am. I'm well, and I'm going to drop the whole pretense of thinking that I can actually on the fly, like be like a Ren Fair participant right now. I'm not even wearing, you know, my, my Ren Fair outfit of which I have. Your, and, your, uh, your corset, you left that in the closet today. It's just a little too tight. It's COVID-19 mm-hmm. weight. It's a thing. You know, I'm not even going to go there. Whatever. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> no, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's been an excellent week. It's a very exciting uh, science fiction news week. We won't go into that. Babylon mm-hmm. 5 is up for a reboot. I'm just going to put that out there. And all the chat can talk about it as we say hello. Hello to who's in the chat tonight. Let's see. We have a War of the Pauls. So we have Paul Wright. At uh, coming in at the number one pole position, Paul position. Hey, oh, hey, if I may <laughs> say that. Uh, Scott Palm is here, Paul Harbeth is here. Uh, and let's see, all the Pauls are like taking up all the chat. So I'm going to scroll down a little bit to names that don't say Paul. Uh, Phil, how you doing, Evelyn? Thank That's you for almost being here. Paul. That's got the same beginning and ending letter, Phil. Does. I know it's it's close, it's mm-hmm. close. We'll put him like kind of like uh, we'll put him on the on the back burner for Jason a second, Paul. unless, <laughs> unless uh, our third Paul, Paul Trout, uh, Trout one usually comes in. Uh, Chris Raker, hello, thanks for being here. John Arminio, uh, good to see your name. Uh, Carlos, Mike Richards, what's up, Cap? I love saying that. What's up, Cap? So yeah. bro-ish. On your left, <laughs> on your left. <laughs> uh, Dominic, good to see you, thanks for being here. Alan Simmons is here. Spawn! Exactly. Alan, <laughs> Alan Simonis is here. Uh, Cooley! Shout out to Cooley. Cooley's here. What's up, Dave? Uh, thank you for all being here. Thank you for joining the chat and uh, making me scroll down so far. The reason why I say that is because the more I scroll, the more fun we're having. And that's uh, innuendo number one for the show of many. What does fun mean? <laughs> what type of fun? Ooh, ooh. Ooh, ooh. I can't make uh, actual inappropriate hand gestures, so we'll just make silly ones today. We'll see what Earl can do in post uh, for that little <laughs> scooby <Doo> effect. <laughs> so speaking oh, of no. Earl, Ashley, uh, what do you got for us in terms of uh, the contact info? Oh, well, I have a hot tip that you've absolutely never heard before, but I would like to encourage you if you would like to join in the innuendo or the pseudo Shakespearean talk with Norman and myself to make sure that you line up for your live calls with our sweet and our liege lord, Sir Earl himself. He is standing by to let you into the Earl Green, Green Room. 
Just click on the Zoom meeting link, use the one tap on your smartphone, or give us a ring at 669-900-6833, then enter the meeting code and the password because this is a fortress. We have a dungeon. You got to use all the right words. You can't come into play. Ooh, it's kind of like one of those. It's like being at Gen Con and doing like one of those live Dungeons and Dragons things. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you have your acrylic vest of tokens or else you <laughs> won't survive the dungeon. Very that. <laughs> exactly. Those are so much fun. I highly encourage anyone who goes to Gen Con Indianapolis to do uh, that particular, uh, I guess it's like a panic room. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but panic it's Panic room? It's, it's like a Dungeons and Dragons kind of panic room. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. It's more panic because you're like spending a lot of money on it. You're like saying, oh, I'm going to panic when I see my ATM receipts as mm -hmm. soon as I get back home. Mm -hmm. So coming up on Mission Log this week, we have, well, you will be returning for one of your final installments of Lower Decks because we are coming like to that. the last one of our um, continuing voyages of Lower Decks. Yeah. Is, that, is that a little bit better, my lady? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna take a, a one year hiatus <laughs> of a nap, and then we'll be back. Yeah, um, and I'm saying this um, just as the title itself, not necessarily what I need to do. Is I excretus is the next episode <laughs> coming up? So John and Ashley will be together to continue our voyage with Lower Decks, talking about that particular episode. And it looks like I don't know if you've seen the the preview, Ashley. I'm sure that mm -hmm. you have, but it looks like there are a lot of really fun Easter eggs in that preview, probably like more than I've seen so far in a preview. Which is saying something because we had the moment last year where Mariner showed her stash and everything fell out of the ceiling. Uh, Titmos actually made a sick shirt where everything that she had stashed away is like in the shape of the Delta. So we have to outdo that. We have to outdo collectors. Like if this out Easter egg, someone's going to count. It's not going to be me. It's going to be like an Aaron Harvey type. Someone's going to mm -hmm. count and they're going to let us know if this is the most Easter eggs. But I'm excited, and John abhors a list, so it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about next week. <laughs> yes. Actually, the thing that I thought was really cool to see was a Mirror Boimler in mm -hmm. Mirror Boimler vest with goatee and sprigs of chest hair. So we love seeing uh, Boims with a little bit of, you know, cubicity on his chest. Well, you've got to follow in Riker's footsteps, right? And not only did Mr. Frakes bring us the lovely Harry chest action, but there's also Harry back action if you're looking for that as well. We're always looking for it. I don't know who isn't, but um, <laughs> maybe someone in the chat can say, raise their hand <laughs> and obviously lie to everybody. That's right. How dare. <laughs> now, this week on Mission Log, on Thursday, we will be dropping Deep Space Nine's Covenant, which is a, uh, a very interesting episode. John and I had a lot of fun covering that. And uh, it's the one where Tukat becomes both cult leader and baby daddy in the same episode. I love Gal Dukat. No, <laughs> I love him so much. <laughs> He's the best. <laughs> and uh, now, now he has little, little, little baby Dukat. You know, but we don't know if he's the father. It's the only baby on the station that's Cardassian. So, you know, the math holds up if you pay attention to the math. Why are you just discounting Garrick, huh? He wasn't on Empachnor. <laughs> oh God, I got all fanboyish on you. I'm like, hey, wait, 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 wait. I got to get my props. I'm sorry, Ashley. Uh, Garrick wasn't up on Empak Nor. So <laughs> my Wi-Fi network is called Empak Nor. <laughs> <laughs> and now everyone else knows too. Welcome. So, if you can so find me in the valley, good luck finding the password. <laughs> what? What? Also, uh, this week on Mission Log, John and I will be recording tomorrow night, and it's going to be one heck of an episode as we cover. It's only a paper moon. 
Ooh, nice. Yes. So we are counting down to the last 15 episodes of the series of Deep Space Nine. And for what I understand, and I haven't really seen pretty much anything from here on to the final episode, I understand that it's pretty much like this giant arc that takes Mm -hmm. place. So Yeah, you are on a runaway train at this point, well and truly. Yeah, I'm very excited. I'm very excited to see that and and um, just kind of like see how this is all brought home. And then after that, we're going to be doing a, a cover uh, a coverage on uh, what we leave behind or what you left behind the mm-hmm. Deep Space Nine documentary. And I haven't watched it yet. I've saved that for the finale. Like I'm going to watch that right after the finale. I was at all... the premiere of that. Were you? I was. Where was, I was, I? was the that? Pur- the purple carpet. Was that the Skirball? Uh, no, that was um, on Paramount. Oh, fancy, fancy. I was at, you know, the fancy round theater where they do the big screenings. Uh, it's uh, one of the little screening rooms. That, yeah. That's where it was. And they had a purple carpet, which I thought was so cool. And nobody knows this except you and I and Earl, but we were talking a lot about purple earlier. So it feels fitting to bring it up. <laughs> is, is that why in the, um, in the documentary, Ira's beard, I think, is purple? It's blue. It's oh, is it blue. blue? Okay. Um, Let's let's say that's because he is mutable and changeable. Oh, okay. Very, As all uh, creatives are. Very enigmatic, if yes. I'm using that word correctly. He certainly is enigmatic. <laughs> well, he's a chameleon. You know, if uh, if I step into my Renfair accent a little bit here, he's like a chameleon. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Sure. Yeah. Well, speaking of getting into the Renfair mood, uh, what do you say we jump into the recap for tonight? We're talking about where pleasant fountains lie. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. But I warn you, I warn you right now, the innuendos will be flying. It's not my fault. I was inspired by the actual episode itself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so ready. <laughs> I'm going to actually try to ignore looking at Ashley when I read because I don't want to break out in laughter because she'll be like, oh, <laughs> And I'm here for it. All right, so let's get to the recap. After securing the evil supercomputer Agamus from a distant planet and saving its people from over a century of war, Captain Freeman and Commander Ransom head back to the USS Cerritos to face yet another touchy situation. They are hailed by Queen Paplona of the Hesperians, who are best known for their medieval couture and even more Renaissance attitude towards playing the four. It seems that the Queen ship is in dire need of an engineer and lo and behold, the heir apparent and prince to the Hysperian throne is none other than Billups, the Cerritos chief engineer. Down in the lower decks, Boimler is preparing for his mission to wrangle giant centipedes on Danks with Commander Ransom, only to have his hopes dashed as he is reassigned to help Mariner take Agamus to a containment facility at the Daystrom Institute. Meanwhile, Tendi, as she is wont to do, encourages Rutherford just to get out of his comfort zone and squire away his chance at working on an alien starship. Just think of the opportunities. Upon rendezvousing with the Hysperian flagship Monavine, Billups, accompanied by Ensign Rutherford, make their way through the intricately decorated corridors filled with denizens who writhe with delight at the sight of their liege lord. Billups then reveals to Rutherford that he left Hesperia for Starfleet to escape his destiny to become the lord and ruler of Hesperia. Oh, and the only thing stopping him from doing so is literally what would be the crowning achievement of coming home. Yes, folks, like the episode, we are using the sex innuendo. No emails, please. As Mariner and Boimler head towards Earth and the Daystrom Institute, their shuttlecraft encounters massive gravimetric shears and are forced to crash land on a deserted planet. Sadly, upon regaining consciousness, the lower deckers are only left with a very persuasive Agamus, 
a handful of field rations and a replicator that only produces the most vile form of sustenance in the known universe, black licorice. Back on the Monavine, all is well, as Billups and Rutherford complete what seems to be a fairly routine repair. However, as soon as Billups returns to the Cerritos, a catastrophic explosion tears a hole in the Monavine, and as the casualty reports come in, the Queen and Rutherford are among those who were killed in the explosion. On the deserted planet, Agamus does what evil supercomputers do best, find ways to divide and conquer as its efforts drive a constant wedge between Boimler and Mariner. As the two starving and exhausted besties traverse the wasteland looking for food and water, they come upon a ship, a ship that Agamus tells Boimler he can help them escape the planet. Back on the Cerritos, Billups meets with Captain Freeman and turns in his commission, explaining to the captain that he must now perform his duty to save his people and become their rightful leader. Yes, he must do his duty and get his crown polished before rightfully ascending the throne. Exhausted, starving, and craving anything that doesn't taste like black licorice, Mariner tries to separate Boimler from Agamus, knowing that the computer has been doing everything possible to manipulate the ever-so-naive Bradward, which is actually the whole issue. Boimler is fed up with being second-guessed and mocked by Mariner, and after seeing a secret meeting between Commander Ransom and Mariner, where she convinced the commander not to take Boimler on the dance mission, Boimler cuts down his so-called best friend with a stun beam and hauls Agamist to the derelict starship. On the Cerritos, Tendi, once again never giving up on Rutherford, tracks down his cybernetic implant, which is in a completely different part of the Monavine, far away from where the explosion happened. Beaming over to that ship and bursting into a banquet hall, she is stunned to see him and the queen alive and enjoying a feast, a feast celebrating her son's coming home. Not so fast. That's what she said. Rutherford, knowing what this means, beams back to the Cerritos and stops Philip in time before the king was actually crowned. Speaking of premature activation, after Agamus was connected to the control matrix of the abandoned starship, and after it monologues its entire plan like a stereotypical James Bond villain, and after Mariner burst in with her usual, what the f- Boimler? All is well in hand as Boimler only pretended to dance the, to the computer's tune. He knew that Agamus was trying to manipulate them all the while. So instead of connecting Agamus to the ship's computer, he just plugged his battery into the comm system to send a distress call for help. Furious that he was tricked, Agamus threatened their insolence with the most violent flickering of the overhead lights. On the Cerritos, Billups gives, up, Billups gives his mother a fond fare ye well, and hopes he has proved to her that his place is on the Cerritos, his one true love. Tendi and Rutherford once again share another bonding moment, proving to each other that they are only looking out for their best interest as BFFs. And Mariner and Boimler finally have Agamus locked up with the other supercomputers who scoff at their new cellmate's arrogance, like what he is saying was something unique to its trek through the stars. Yes, it's fair to say that there were happy endings, for all our Lower Decks heroes and heroines. The end. I rest my microphone. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there is some censor or some delicate soul somewhere who was fully clutching their pearls, having just listened to that. (laughs) I would. And you know, in in all honesty, um, yeah, I apologize for pretty much everything that I wrote. But (laughs) I actually don't. So... I think it was fun. I don't. But please, no emails. (laughs) (laughs) 
so let's jump, let's jump right into it. Um, you know, one thing I keep forgetting to ask you, Ashley, mm. and, and, and to everyone who's lined up for the calls, I never really jump into what morals or meanings or messages that you got out of this episode, because this is Mission Log, our okay. live version of Mission Log. So that's something that needs to be explored. So in, in the process of uh, creating this wonderful list of notes that you have and things to talk about, <laughs> what did you come away with, like from the morals, meanings and messages standpoint, if you found any? That's a really interesting question for this episode, because I feel like it's sort of the opposite of last week's episode. Last week's episode started out quite serious. And then I felt ended a little lighter than the episode preceding it, the last one that you and I discussed. This one, the premise is super, super silly, but I feel like we got a lot of great character moments. I want to be very foolish and tell you that the morals meetings messages are that black licorice dry is death because it is, it's horrible. It is the devil. Mariner was correct on that, Mm -hmm. but I actually think it's probably something closer to, to thine own self be true, just to bring back the Ren fair of it all, because we have a lot of characters who are being confronted with situations where if they acted in the way that was expected of them, whether that is by their mother, by the evil computer that thinks it's manipulating them, um, by their fellow Starfleet officers who fully believe that their best friend is dead, that would be going against who they are in the core of their characters. And they all come through it and they're all better and strengthen their relationships by doing what they know in their core is the right thing to do. And I have to say, we're going to make a lot of sexy time jokes because the material is there. But I was really impressed that we presented a character who is at least a virgin, possibly completely asexual because appears to have no interest in the context whatsoever and nobody makes fun of him for it. I thought that was very progressive and wonderful. And I think all the best track reflects some of our own changes, morals, meanings, and messages in the real world. So I will step off my soapbox and that is my answer. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, I think that's actually incredibly applicable, you know, in, in everything that you said. And I think that the only person that actually made an issue of Billups like non-sexuality, well, he's, it, 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 in terms of his own sexuality with his mom, mm-hmm. you know, his mom's just like, hey, look, um, let, let's consummate this so you can actually ascend to the throne, you know, take the innuendo out of it. But that's kind of like their culture, right? He can't mm-hmm. be the king unless he, you know, jumps the queen. I'm sorry, I but, what I did find refreshing <laughs> about that is that is typically a requirement put on female monarchs um, or mm-hmm. female consort sometimes you don't get to be queen until you've consummated your marriage to the king um so i was like okay like that's cute we're sort of flipping it on him and it's a nice like luxana troy is 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 low ranking in my list of all-time favorite star trek characters she's somewhere near the bottom and i thought that billups mummy billups was a nice take on that actually i enjoyed her in the episode yeah i thought there i thought that dynamic was just super interesting and a uh, fun fact if you're dressed in medieval Renaissance <laughs> outfits, your civilization has to be so incredibly technologically superior. It's just the only thing that works. It's, it's that wonderful it's textural, matrix. you know, yeah, it's like <laughs> that wonderful juxtaposition of the future. Um, and I know what we, you have this wonderful thing, you know, this wonderful list of things to talk about. So let's get to like maybe a, a one or two of them. Then we're going to jump right into our calls. I don't Jeffrey know why Combs. I'm shaking my fist. I'm like, Rah. Jeffrey Combs. That's all oh, I want yeah, to talk about. Yeah. Tran, Wayun, every 800 million other characters he's played. I am shocked it took this long to get him on the show. But the second he was announced as being a part of this, I was like, yes, him playing Hal 
basically, mm -hmm. uh, was very, very funny. And I love how he's the kind of performer, especially because he's been in Trek so, and in all genre um, so much. He's always the same, but different. He's never, he's not an actor who just shows up and plays the same character, but mm -hmm. you definitely know that this is a Jeffrey Combs joint that we're in for. Oh, I love that. So we should do that, like put a tagline. It's like a Jeffrey Combs joint. Yeah, you're welcome. Right? You can have that. <laughs> I dig that. I'll TM that, put that on a t-shirt. Okay, so um, <laughs> lots to talk about. Uh, so many callers coming in. So Earl, uh, if you would be so kind, uh, please pipe in our first. We have Chris and I'm sure Chris. Chris, you know what? I'm a little, um, I'm a little sad that you're not wearing the headgear tonight because that is something that is very Renfair, you know, and also keeps you cool during those hot August nights. Well, I will say, I would also say that it's very Dune because their planet they crash landed on was very deserty. Mm -hmm. uh, but no, it's actually quite cool here in LA. It was like mid 60s, so it, it's already cool. I don't need to be cool. It's it's a very nice, amenable temperature. Maybe Ooh, if it gets like hot that. again, maybe maybe I'll break it out. Well, welcome um, to our show, my lord. No, yeah. Good to see you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, no, I really liked, um, actually, what you said about to thine own self be true, especially because I think that my that also works. The one thing that I sort of take issue with, and I think I saw other people online also taking issue with this, was Mariner and her whole, her whole deal with, like, getting Boimler on the mission. And it's this idea of, like, just do your own thing, Mariner. You don't have to worry about Boimler. He's got his own life, and we've talked at length about this on other shows, and it's sort of coming to a head here that, you know, she needs him or misses him or whatever, but this idea that, that the correct answer is just let him do his thing and that she goes and do, does this other thing, which is, I think, genuinely very uncool and almost a sort of invasion of, like, him as a person, um, but it's that it's the opposite side of that, that she's not following the moral, I think is an interesting sort of take of how that went. Well, I mean, I think that's, that's those are great points. And I think that um, when you always boil when you boil down uh, lower decks to kind of like it's, you know, it's it's core essentials. Like, you know, you take the Easter eggs and you take the humor out of it. I mean, there are like incredibly strong, like root morals, meanings and messages in the story. Sometimes you have to dig a little harder mm -hmm. for them. But I think that um, the, the you know, to thine own self be true is something that it's, it's a very kind of like um, enlightened notion especially during the medieval period but i think that you know just being able to uh see the two stories parallel themselves because uh boimler hasn't really ever stood up to mariner in this way like you got to trust me you know you would do this to me and i would trust you so now i'm doing it to you and you got to trust me and do we believe though that he would stun her like, do we believe do we think bradward is that bold um well, did I mean, he did center? I mean, he did, it, but do we buy it? That's my question. Because that's I've seen a lot of people be split on that. I bought it for the sake of the episode, but I've seen a lot of people be like, he would never, like he could never. And I was like, ah, oh, he did though. I think <laughs> that that's kind of like where the the whole like you want to see what I learned on the Titan. This is what I learned mm. on the Titan. I mean, yeah, right. similar. I think this is sort of his like breaking point, as she is like giving him a ration of whatever about you know, the Titan. And he's like, no, this was a good experience for me. I learned something. Why can't you just be happy for me? So I think yeah, that was, this was kind of his breaking point. No, I totally believe that in that moment, he's like, no, I'm, I'm tired of this. Like, let me do my thing. Let me do my own plan. Yeah, I mean, like, if, if you're like walking through a planet where it kind of like trolls you that you would have like a water source that tastes like black licorice, I would be like at my breaking point. I would be so pissed. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh no, dry version. 
Here's the liquid version. Really? This is what I got to work with? Okay, oh. I got to get off this freaking planet, right? And, <laughs> and, and I'll do what it takes, you know? I, even if they kick a few crabs out of the way. They look adorable, though. I, I, did, I did really like the crap. I might have my mom crochet a crab. I'm, I'm <gasps> contemplating that. A crab oh. shay. Well done, Ooh. sir. Share Ooh, picks. Nice. <laughs> yes. All right, Chris. Uh, one last thought, man, before we get to the next caller. Uh, I definitely want an Eagle Moss model of the Ren Faire ship with, like, the scales and the gold <laughs> filigree. And, like, it's, it looks so good. That's, that's what I want. I know they're making a Cerritos, but also Finally. make the Ren Right? Finally. Yeah, a year and a half later. But also make a Renfair ship, Eagle Moss, please. <laughs> so this is the fun thing about Renfair. So the last Renfair I was at was, uh, it was the one um, in north of LA-ish. Mm-hmm. You know the one I'm talking about, Ashley? You know the yes, one in the Rock Quarry? Yes, I in 2019 for the first time. So I was there one time um, and, you know, everyone's in period costume. And then you had a couple of people that were walking around in full like Starfleet Next Generation outfit costumes. There's always a handful of yeah. Starfleet people and there's mm-hmm. always a, a doctor, sometimes a doctor with a companion. You know what I, yeah, because it, it, <laughs> it just works, right? The doctor's going to step out of the TARDIS in some medieval Renfair situation. Same thing. It's kind of like, um, you know, like an away team will just beam down to a planet and it'll mm-hmm. be all like medieval looking people. And it works. It's hilarious. So if anyone hasn't been to a Renfair yet, I highly suggest doing it because somewhere along the line, your fandoms will collide in the best possible way. I can only encourage that. It's so much fun. Uh, Speaking of so much fun, Chris, thank you so much for calling in, my men, and uh, my lord, my liege lord. And uh, we shall uh, say fare thee well, good sir. Fare thee well. See you you around around the realm. Around the realm. Mm -hmm. Nobody can see this who's only listening, but there are like big hand gestures and bows and nods going on. This is why you got to be here live, right? You got to watch it live because you're you're not only getting dinner, you're also getting a show. And that's the most important thing. Mission uh, so Log Live, the dinner theater experience coming soon. To a it's Star like right Trek next to Medieval Times. You. you should have like Star Trek, the experience <laughs> right next to Medieval Times. The parking lot situation would be phenomenal. Oh, my I... God. My dream, truly. <laughs> <laughs> Everything my 12-year-old self wanted in one place. <laughs> yes. You get chicken and batlet fighting in the same night. Ooh, batlet fighting, but on horses or not? I would say on. I would say okay. let's just combine all the things. Right. Yes, I love it. Just so one much. big temporal melting pot. Um, <laughs> all right, Earl, who do we have coming up next? We have Valeria. Valeria, welcome to the show. Have we talked before? Have you been on the show before? Uh, no. Uh, been listening for a hot minute. This is my first time calling in. Oh, um, thank you. Are you the yeah. descendant of Sue and Reed Richards? Because that's the only Valeria that I've ever read before. So this is exciting. <laughs> no, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, not Valeria Richards. Um, <laughs> but just as but, <laughs> uh, but so I've got two things I wanted to bring up. One of them uh, just has been scratching up my brain most of the season uh-huh. because, okay, so Romulans are basically my whole entire thing. Okay. Uh, and just... The, and so the Romulan Borg fight in the opening sequence has always really <laughs> s- scratched at me. And then just over the course of the season, first we added the pack leads to the fight mm-hmm. around like episode three or four. And then 
a couple episodes ago, we added some Klingon birds of prey. Like, I want to know what's going on with this fight. <laughs> I've got speculation. Like, I've been wondering if this isn't where the Romulans get the artifact going into Picard, right? This is something I've been wondering about. And so, like, I just can't help but wonder if there's some plot stuff going on with this thread going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And just nobody talks about it in any of the groups that I'm in unless I bring it up. And so I just go. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And, And so, yeah, I just wanted to get this into the podcast because no one's been talking about it this season um i sometimes i just don't see those delicate lines i'm just um i'm just a mouth with a microphone here (laughs) everyone else is so much more intelligent about this stuff than i am uh fair enough um so what do you think especially gets me with the it especially gets me with the Riker thread because at the end of nemesis his assignment with the titan is to help liaise sort of the thawing tensions between the Federation and the Romulans. Uh, And so like we see him out along the neutral zone. And so like, I'm also wondering how this pack led thread ties into all of the Romulan thread that we've got, especially with the bit about planning to smuggle a bomb onto earth that we got last week. Right. That was just a little detail. Just a little right. detail, right? Yeah, just, yeah. Just, just a little detail that got glossed over. And like, I really wonder where they're going with this. Well, you know, it's like, it's, um, it's very traditional that the Romulans, uh, they're, they're supremely good at manipulation, right? The Tal Shiar, even mm-hmm. though it's like, you know, the Tal mm-hmm. Shiar wasn't there, they kind of like made a point of that, but, or Ransom did. But the Tal Shiar, or at least the Romulan higher ups, they're really good at kind of, say, manipulating other races mm-hmm. to do their stuff for them so they have plausible deniability. And who better than the Packlet, right? So yeah. it's kind of like, how did the Packlet get so damn strong all of a sudden, so damn bold? Ooh, See, ooh, but, 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 but then that also gets into some beta canon stuff mm-hmm. where, um, according to a Gamma Quadrant source book, um, the Packleds were actually smuggling founders in during the Dominion War. And so I wonder if, like, with all of the other beta canon things that we're getting, like Rakarans showing up in Prodigy, just all sorts of beta canon stuff getting brought in to these current shows, I can't help but wonder whether or not they're going to follow up on that idea how do you see these things oh my god <laughs> I'm just like truly in the opening credits i am waiting for the space slug like that's the big moment for me so you mm-hmm. have completely exploded my brain and i'm now like this has to be leading until the final battle in the ultimate episode and what if it does sign to picard there's romulans all over picard i hadn't considered this before because i also feel like sometimes um Lower Decks, because it is the animated show, right, gets relegated to a different sort of canon uh-huh. box than mm-hmm. everything else. And I'm like, I'm dying for a live action show to reference it. And if I, this is the I want to see a California class. I, I want to see yes. a California class in Picard. Yes. In anything, just in a big group shot, just like one little one. Right. right in the exactly. Back. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, doesn't need well, to be a big deal, just in the background of a shot. Well, we I'm, have I'm gonna... seen a lot of Romulans too, but just like as set dressing characters. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Like no one's been prompt. We don't have like a Romulan on board. 
Hmm. See, like mm-hmm. the pack lines are really interesting though, because you can use them pretty much like as the Trojan horse. Who is going to like search for smuggled goods on a pack led ship? Like nobody, right? I mean, right. Odo, but well, but that's Odo. okay. Odo He's searches awesome. all but, ships. But, but but speaking of speaking of Romulans, I've got my speculations <laughs> there based on how close we are to the supernova. Mm-hmm. Because we're within five years of it. Yeah. Well, I, and you know these these writers are incredibly smart, and I think that actually you got a great point. Actually, you both have great points that just because it's an animated show doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't understand where they are in this particular time and space, right? You know, the part of the pun. exactly they, they know exactly, exactly where yeah. they are. So mm-hmm. th- it's something that can um, it it can cast different uh, aspersions on the the seriousness of the content, you know, and then you have the. Uh, subversion mm-hmm. of expectations when it happens because you're just like, oh, why would they even go that serious of a route on an animated show? I mean, that's not their that's not their forte. That's not you know what they're known for. Then all of a sudden, when it happens, what you're seeing right now, everyone's going to remember this in chat and say, oh my <laughs> god. Yeah, like all I'm saying is that when the show first got announced, Mike McMahon talked about how much fun stuff there is to play around with in this time period, mm-hmm. and if you think about it. It's just like six or seven years between the end of Nemesis and the Romulan supernova. And so the evacuation effort from Romulus is like the biggest thing going on in here. Wow. And so I can't help but wonder if a few seasons down the line, we get to play with that. I would love to see that. And I also really appreciate you bringing up the folding in of some of the like uh, memory beta beta canon stuff because uh-huh. I-, I feel like Trek has been slower than like Star Wars in getting to that and it's really fun mm-hmm. to see that like like all the Titan stuff gives me so much life because that was what I really mm-hmm. really loved like as an extended universe thing and it's been around for so long so like making it canon honestly it's just like easier on your writer's room so right. it's so cool to yeah. see it all pop up and be like no it's official this is real quote unquote or it's real in this continuity now so i really appreciate you bringing that up because i don't feel like we give enough credit to it when we nod back to something that appeared outside of a television show or one of the movies mm-hmm. yeah which 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 movie was and i don't want to spoil it for anyone but i'm going to be referencing rebels and i think it was rogue one but there was that moment mm-hmm. where those two there's two uh projects crossed because you actually got to see i think Hera's name was mentioned and the ghost was actually seen in the rebel yep. stronghold hangar so when you actually see something like that live you're like oh well i know this is that. a star trek mm-hmm. show but also going all the way yeah. back to the prequels coruscant was named originally in the books and then when it was referenced uh-huh. in the movie apparently it was quite a, apparently there weren't george Lucas wasn't sure if he wanted to call it coruscant and everyone was like you have to call it coruscant right. and <laughs> the table so <laughs> Uh, yeah. So are you going to share with us any of your possible theories or are you going to keep that for the next t-shirt for the, for the finale? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, the big there, the big theory there just has to do with the fact that in the last best hope novel, which is like all tied in with the current continuity, uh, Picard's evacuation fleet was bringing in every ship in the fleet. And, and so the Cerritos could be a part of that, right? And so, yeah, I just think it would be interesting to see in like season five or six, the Cerritos ferrying groups of Romulan refugees uh, and the antics that can come from just having 
that sort of mission going on. That would be a super huge, like, you know, crossing the streams crossover, right? And they could like, uh-huh. they could like plan an entire event around that. You know, exactly. Like yeah. All the shows just crossing over all at once. It's kind of like, um, you know, like comic books when they do like the the crossover maxi series, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you have uh, all these tangential comic books that you don't really have to read, but when you do read them, it makes the experience like so much more robust because you did. You're exactly. Like, oh, yes. yeah. I got to collect all those now. Like, I never really was a big reader of this particular comic book, but I'll buy those two ups, those two comics because I need to have that storyline. Because I want to see who they're turning into zombie Black Lanterns in this issue. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where Blackest Night was my first comic book. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. Exactly. Uh, um, <laughs> we must be psychically but, bonded. <laughs> uh, we got a ring slinger with us, which is very cool. I dig that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I did have one other thing that I wanted to talk about specific to this episode. Sure, sure. That, Ashley, you're probably going to be disappointed in me for this because I know how hard you ship Rutherford and Tendi. So hard. But, <laughs> but being such, like, I've been shipping Rutherfups since forever. <laughs> oh. And so, Baby like... cute. I don't not. <laughs> and, and so, like... The lack of Billups content this season has been hurting me (laughs) and like getting the chance to see like I just think there's something special about protecting your boss's virginity so that you can continue being engineers together. (laughs) It is so wholesome like their relationship is so cute and because it's animation they can be a little more innocent right like it's like no we're mm-hmm. just best buds and we just want to do science together like how adorable yeah, there's a yeah, whole I, like, different side have... of that equation right with because you have like tendy and rutherford have this particular energy and mm-hmm. it's mostly like more like tendy to rutherford but in this case it's more like rutherford to billups mm-hmm. right so it's like a little bit flipped yeah and like I especially think about from crisis point when uh, they were talked when just the way that they got together, even though it was a a hologram of Billups, but still Mm -hmm. um, just the way that they were working together. It was just like "Mm, my heart (laughs) (laughs) and just got more of that this time. And it makes me very happy. I'm so glad that you got your Billups episode because you're right. It's sometimes you're like, what about these other characters you know we want to see them get their little you know their, their turn in the spotlight and he really did this one. Oh yeah right. it yeah. was and that the loxana parallels with his mom mm-hmm. Mwah, loved it loved it oh, yeah. <laughs> like right down to the couture right it's right yeah. yeah exactly um we're gonna need to take a break here for uh, a little bit of a, a, a mission log plug but thank you so much for calling in and pretty much blowing everyone's minds yeah with truly your, <laughs> with your linear storytelling thread theories uh That's thank you <laughs> amazing so thanks for calling in and uh hope to see you again please call in again. yeah yeah if i can ever make it worth work with my bedtime i absolutely will <laughs> that's for right. real for real though <laughs> well thank you so much right. appreciate you calling in Thank you. you. We'll see you next time. Um, Before we get to our next caller, I just wanted to let everyone know that um, I think that uh, those theories will be probably talked about for for quite some time. And if you want to do that on uh, a very special uh, chat area that we have for 
our Patreon subscribers, just go to patreon.com slash mission log and join our Discord server there. And you can talk about all different types of topics, including this particular theory thread uh, that Valeria brought up. And yeah, and just go for it because, you know, aside from just Star Trek talk, we talk about food, we talk about other science fiction genres and eras and all different types of properties. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone can see this on camera, but I'm going to do something like this. I'm not plugging this shirt per se, but I'm going to show you my new favorite thing in the universe. Okay, maybe my second thing, favorite thing in the universe, and that's what Garibaldi says. But we all know that. Lois is the first favorite. That's just a little preview of something that uh, I'm a little bit into right now. But yeah, so please join us for a very fun, very robust conversation of conversations on our Discord server for Mission Log. Just please go to patreon.com slash mission log. Check out all the different subscription levels that you can find there. See the one that fits best for you and come in and join the fun because I can guarantee you, any, if anything, I can guarantee you that you will find something that you're interested in talking about. Um, and that's all I have to say for uh, the station identification plug. So we're going to jump right into our next caller. And oh, hello, Paul. Ooh. Greetings. Greetings. My greetings, liege lord. Hail and hearty Hail. welcome. Look you, at sir. the standee. Isn't she awesome? How uh, cute. We, <laughs> yeah, I just had to have Tendi. Thought about it last year, but Star Trek Day came along and she was 20% off. So I couldn't pass up a bargain. Nice. <laughs> I, I just want to talk about how great that call from Valeria was. I'm sitting here mm -hmm. just thinking, I got to follow that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so at least, you know, Alan has some time to think of some stuff. He's, he's going to be better prepared than I am. Um, man, was that cool stuff. Uh, yeah. Please call back again. I, I'll just sit and listen and watch the chat. That was amazing. You should have um, just waved me off. I'm like, I got nothing to say. I oh no! It's bad. It's oh, bad no. when you're like, "Cool, I host the show and and like make an effort to read the Easter egg articles and literally never cross my yeah, mind." I, <laughs> yeah, I. It's just you know the youthful the youthful view, and I mean I, I'm just stuck on how cool. So my big thing was it was Jeffrey Combs that we heard. It wasn't mm -hmm. it wasn't Wayun, and yeah. it wasn't right. Tran. That right. was the amazing thing about those, his computer portrayal is that it had its own personality that we haven't heard in Star Trek before. It was Agonist. Um, it, was, it was his own yeah, thing. Yeah, it right? was. I thought he, he was exceptional, you know, yeah. uh, still working all that knowledge he has of, of, you know, those old characters and then and creating something new and invigorating. And, and that thing at the end where the computers are arguing, I just want to listen to that for another, <laughs> ten, you know, another five minutes. As did a I, Mac user, like, I was offended that there was a Mac computer in amongst the evils. <laughs> so, uh, of course there is. <laughs> did anyone like kind of like do that kind of uh, kind of giggle and look around the room when you saw the CBS logo in the upper left hand corner? You're like, uh, okay. They're like, look, there. baby, All baby, right. baby, baby. This is Paramount Plus now. No, no, no. Yeah. Just like, eh, no it's like right there. I'm just saying, you know, whatever. It's there. Yeah. It's a thing. So. I had to, I re, I got the opportunity to rewatch this just before the show. And I was like, oh, that's all I remembered was the computer thing. I completely, <laughs> this is how old I am or, you know, how irrelevant <laughs> it seemed, but the whole thing with the, the, the weird sex cult slash very open society, I completely forgot about. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm not quite sure where they're aiming that at. Does, I mean, 
is the target audience. It certainly isn't my demographic because it sort of is like, well, this it's, wasn't it's the, the Renfro Renfro I demographic. Have you heard the stories about Dragon Con? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I've been to Dragon Con. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I know it well. Um, I just go to bed before those start at one, one or two in the morning. You and me both. <laughs> So one last thing before we move to Alan, and um, I know he's always very insightful. I, I want to know if I'm imagining this, particularly with um, Norm's current love of a different show. When the communications were going out, there was a stream of glyphs going by that you need to watch. And I'm trying to figure out if those are actually the Starlight glyphs in the language, quote unquote, being sent out of that spaceship. You might want to take a look at that. Ooh, interesting. Oh, see, this is what happens when I watch stuff on my phone. Right. <laughs> so, no, I'm serious. Like I, I, I had to, I was, I was outside feeding Lois and I wanted to make sure that she was okay. Lois is my new, I'm her new adopted human. So I had to be outside and watch lower decks and do my notes and watch her and the kittens, you know, feed. So I want to make sure they're okay. And I was watching that. So I'll have to watch it on a bigger screen to see those. Uh, yeah. Clips. It's, it's worth checking out. And, um, I, I, I'm pretty sure they're the glyphs. I'm pretty sure. And I got one last question for Ashley. Did you, uh, did anybody um, make the uh, wooden carved sign for you? Yes, because Norman sent it to me. <laughs> How does this, Actually, go? How does this go? Look, I have an angular chin too. <laughs> you don't get a, this pointy a jaw and not make good use of it. I've played many witches and fairies in my time. <laughs> And we will leave it right there. <laughs> Actually, I think uh, I think the person who created that is our next caller. Awesome. So witches and fairies, or however that goes, uh, and you know, do this for <laughs> Boimler and and so have a pleasant night. I can't wait to listen to the rest of this. Thanks, guys. All right, man. Thanks for calling Bye, in. Good, good to see night. you. Oh, and don't forget to get Michelle a headphone set. <laughs> oh yeah, that's taken right. care of. I told her I promised her that I would embarrass you in some way, and I just did. So yeah, I deserve it. There you go. Okay. <laughs> see you, Paul. See ya. All right. Let's dial in Alan and see what the man has to say. Huzzah! Huzzah! Hail and well met. Ah, yes, good sir. It is a pleasant, pleasant evening here, and I hope it is for you as well. Uh, this, it's a fine evening, sir. So oh, uh, man. what's going on, the man? Well, I, I just first of all, again, you know, like Paul, uh, congrats, Valeria. Y- you blew us out of the water. Today. <laughs> um, it was like it was like memory beta took human form and just started talking at us. It was great. That's super cool. I and but uh, but yeah, um, uh, this this was a fun episode. Loved it. I have a new favorite planet. <laughs> I, Indeed. We need to go to Hesperia at some point on this show. Um, oh, I'm ready. Yeah, Norm, I, I, I'm fairly certain you probably have heard me uh, mention this before, either here or on Discord or whatever, but I am the Dungeons and Dragons guy. Nice. nice. Yes. Yeah, that was. Is, a, it, is, it, is it framed in a D20? Yes, it is. Straight up. Yep, right. D twenty. Uh, all of the different dice, all of the different classes are represented uh, in the other constellations. But yeah, uh, just this <laughs> as 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 a Dean as a Dungeons and Dragoner, 
um, it, this, this felt very uh, close to my heart. And I know that uh, Mike McMahon came from Rick and Morty and they have a fairly strong D&D aesthetic mm-hmm. or ethos in that show. And I wonder if he is a player or, or at the very least is familiar with sort of D&D stuff from, from that show. But I mean, we had a bard essentially cast Thunder Wave on right? this episode. I was, that was dying amazing. when I saw that. Yeah. Like, oh, and do it, dude. Maybe, I, I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but the two, uh, the Queen's two guards, they remind me of the Succubus and Incubus from oh, yeah. the current uh, art from the Monster Manual. Oh, you're not even wrong. That's so funny. Yeah. Even down to the hair. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, she's got, you know, a much uh, trendier haircut. Than... She's got a little undercut going on. Yeah, but I mean, you know, the it, yeah, the the red hair on her, the sort of auburnish hair on the guy. I think, I don't know if uh, the, I don't think the guy in the, the Monster Manual has uh, the soul patch uh, mustache combo that, that he had, but, you know, he, creative creative license i mean come on you got to do something but yeah just everything about hysteria and and uh the aesthetic was just right up my alley um what they call the name of the (laughs) engine was like dragon fire the dragon breath engine yeah it's so good it was like framed in an actual dragon Mm -hmm. sculpture thing the only thing i I wrote down was the elf matrix because i like (laughs) i I just thought it was so funny and so charming and i've been watching disenchantment and so it just made me think of elfo (gasps) crammed into an engine somewhere (laughs) (laughs) it's just running along (laughs) in like a hamster wheel very bad oh yeah that was yeah so yeah uh lower decks um I'm just putting it out there. Hysteria away mission. In fact, I, I know I've, uh, on our on the Discord. I think I've even discussed what I would do if I were making like a Star Trek D and D campaign. And I thought, well, you know, we'll just go to the holodeck and it'll be like Fairhaven. But no, no away <laughs> mission on Hysteria is the D and D Star Trek game. I so demand is- to be invited. Yes. When you do it, yeah. Let's the roll last 20. D&D game I played, I was a Star Trek one, and I, true to my character, played ah, a Vulcan. <laughs> there you go. Let's roll 20 that man on Discord. I'm telling you, it'll be a hit. We'll have Huge. to figure, we will have to get something arranged. Um, here's, yeah. what I, here's what I want to see. I want to say someone out there in the chat or someone can make this happen, but let's get a lower decker out there in a Ren fair and do some photo ops. Oh, that would nice. kill. That would straight oh, up kill. For sure. Yeah. I have to say my best Ren fair experience was uh, going uh, dressed in uh, 1970s garb because <laughs> if they can pick their era, I can pick mine. <laughs> All right. Hawaiian shirt, Hawaiian shirt, uh, sailor's cap. I looked like Daryl Dragon. It was great. <laughs> I thought we were going like 70s garb. I thought you were going like full shaft, like, you know, black oh, no. trench coat, you know, <laughs> big fro, you know, sunglasses. Oh, no, I can't pull that off. <laughs> <laughs> That's what cosplay's for, man. I can be a yacht rocker. That's about it. (laughs) Shut your your mouth. He is a bad mother. Uh, All right. One one final bit of uh, Star Trek uh, D&D crossover. If anyone uh, was not aware of this, this past weekend at D&D Celebration, there was a Discovery cast game that was broadcast as part of the festivities. Uh, 
DM'd by Noah, who was on this show, uh, Blue and uh, Anthony and Mary and, uh, oh God, the, the, the kid who, who plays uh, Gray, Um, Ian, Mm -hmm. Ian Alexander. Yeah. They, they were all uh, there as part of it. Will Wheaton was supposed to be, but I guess he had a scheduling conflict. Um, Also, I, Anthony was part of the uh, all musical or musical inspired game that they had. I don't know that either of them has been uh, segmented out of the huge eight hour long simulcast YouTube clips that they have, but they probably will be soon. So just check back, check the D and D YouTube channel sometime in the near future. And you should be able to see those if you miss them. All right, man. Good tip. Good tip. Doing yes. the Lord's work out here, sir. And with yeah. that, I bid thee farewell. Adieu, fine sir. Thanks for calling, Alan. I appreciate it. <laughs> bye bye. All right. And uh, wrapping up the show, anchor in uh, Mission Log Live, we have Mon Cherry. Or just Sherry, but not Sherry. I do remember. Yay. Unless I got any of that right, or I almost, I almost thought about putting Magatu as my second name. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Next time. Next time. <laughs> nice to see you again. How are you? Ah, uh, doing all right. Yeah. Uh, that Rinfair um, stuff reminded me of this great meme I saw one time of someone saying that uh, they had dressed as a Star Trek. Uh, They'd seen somebody who would find other people who are dressed in Star Trek uniforms at Ren Fairs, and that person was dressed in costume, but like mm-hmm. would go up to them, flash them a Starfleet badge, and be like, "Who's your commanding officer? You're betraying the Prime Directive. <laughs> like, oh, wow. what's wrong with you? Had they taught you nothing?" <laughs> Role play I one love- step further. I love yeah. the commitment like, to the that bit. That would be amazing. I would love that so much. I'm just, like, I'm just a lower jacker. I don't know. It's it's like when you dress up as anyone from Star Trek for Halloween and you spot someone else who's lower ranked than you, you are allowed to boss them around. It's just the law. <laughs> my my boyfriend actually did dress as a Starfleet officer for a Ren Faire that we went to one time. I- well, and how, how, how was that? Yeah, how was that? Sadly, received? it was not. It was not. As, it, we we didn't we didn't encounter anyone who made any kind of comment whatsoever. <laughs> Next time, they're probably just in but, awe, yeah. like, "Ooh, Starfleet's here on our planet. Are they going to yeah, make? Truly. Are they going to bring us water that tastes like licorice? I hope so." They were more probably ah, more worried about the that, red hour. <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is the reason I, I came to basically just troll you guys. This is one of my favorite teas. I don't know. I have, it keeps going out. There we go. Oh, you are incorrect, my friend. I adore you and respect you, and I'm glad that it exists for you. But you couldn't be more wrong. <laughs> yeah, but but the, but but the, this the is spice must flow. That, now That's I now true. I can now I can have the actual liquid they were drinking on that planet. That's, that's what this is. It's it's, it's, it's I, consistent I with role play and consistent yeah, with yeah, cosplay. Yeah. So yeah. I I I respect that. I respect that. And now I just I need to get it. those little like flower bulbs and drink it out of those little flower. Bulbs. See this? That's this is what I'm talking about. Somebody man. on Etsy, I guarantee. Give it maybe a week. We'll have one for sale. That's cast and they made in their kiln in their backyard in an island somewhere. It'll have like a spring activated bottom. You drop it and it opens up like a flower and releases the the evil poison that it is. Yeah. I just need I, to be able to fill it up with fresh tea. See, there you go. I, I think I it'll, love make, it'll how, make a great beer cooler. 
I love that in the Trek fandom, the, uh, the, the our idea of trolling is like, I have this tea that you wouldn't like. It's like, <laughs> it, we're, we're the cutest, silliest people in the world. <laughs> and at the same time, though, if you meet like a random stranger that does that, you'd be like, I got you, bro. Yes. Right yeah. there. I got you. I feel you. <laughs> because it's, it's shorthand to passion, really. That's all it really is. Like, it's a shorthand to like, yeah when we get into the weeds, we'll probably disagree. But right now, right here in this moment, at rent fair, <laughs> this is what's happening. Yes. Right? <laughs> here, you partake of my black licorice tea. I will partake of your mead. It's like, it's and like someone must old. have a turkey leg at all times. It's just the always, law. even if you don't eat it, you just got to have it. You got to have yes. like the, you know, and then do something with the grease on your hand. You're like, Oh, what is this? I don't know what to do with this. I'm going to open every jar I own right now. <laughs> uh, uh, do you are you a fan of black licorice in general or just the tea? Yeah, actually, <laughs> oh, I would have been well. fine on that planet. I would have been fine. <laughs> just the broken replica. Like, we we have liquid; it's fine. We, I mean, we probably don't have enough food or calories to last us like you know an extended period of time. Hopefully, we get rescued soon. But uh, I, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> the the ultimate away team weight loss program, black licorice. <laughs> You know, <laughs> it's just one step away from being a tested on a loan, really. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think about the the whole thing on Hesperia and the Monavine and the Renfair people? I mean, I kind of i I liked it, but I kind of feel like it just it felt a little bit one off. And I don't know. It's it's. I mean, it's possible at this point they could refer back to it. There's no way for me to know. Mm. But like. I kind of prefer things that I think is more likelihood. Like I liked learning about Phillips when I first found out that we were going to learn more about Phillips. I was like, Oh, that's really cool. But then like when I really like thought about it and how many episodes are left of the season and stuff, I'm like, I don't really feel like, I feel like this might not tie into anything other than just being kind of like just a joke for this one episode. So you never know with these guys, you know, that's but, yeah, thing. you're right. You never know. Where do you guys think the, the, they're going with the series finale? Cause they had such a great one for season one. So like, what do you think? Where do you think they're going with this season? It has I... to do with the packlets, I think. Yeah, it's definitely got to do that. And I think we're also going to bring the multiple Boimlers to a head, right? Mm, like it that could to... be fun. I do think the Hesperia stuff is going to come back, but I don't think it will come back until next season. Like, I think we're going to see more from Billups and people are responding really positively to this episode. So my crazy out there prediction is he will become King, but not until near the finale of the whole series. Right. So right. we're okay. Maybe that's like, he passes the torch to Rutherford who becomes the chief engineer kisses Tendi. Sorry, mm. Valeria. And, <laughs> and then Billups is off to rule his mother's kingdom. Maybe well, I was also what I, the other thing that I would have loved to seen with that, especially since like the only way that he becomes King is if he has like sex with someone mm-hmm. like during the um, like movie episode of last season, he and Rutherford were like a couple, like they love each other. Um, so it'd be kind of, Cool. I know you love Rutherford and Tendi. Look, that doesn't if mean I can't that have Rutherford, Rutherford can't... and Tendi, Rutherford and Billups, I'll allow it. I'll allow okay, it. okay. Because <laughs> it's like, what if, what if he becomes king because he and Rutherford get together? I'd be impressed. <laughs> that could be interesting. New New Trek doesn't have doesn't have the the healthiest representation of uh, of queer relationships all the time. <laughs> uh we're, I like we're, discovery <laughs> yeah but we like fully fridged 
uh, sweet baby angel in season one. Uh, oh, but he came back. He did come back. I mean, <laughs> he, he gave us a shack. Thank you. Yes, real. I mean, really. Uh, it would be nice to see, but it would be really nice if they did get together. Um, because they seem pretty. It's weird because Lower Decks is the most out there, but has maybe the most well-adjusted crew emotionally <laughs> of everyone. Like they just seem like they're cool and yeah. Okay, so we got to pin this conversation, like you and me and Norman and Valeria, for I don't know about six years from now when the series ends <laughs> to see how it ends up. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, we got to pin it because we got to wrap the show. So so oh. sorry. Yeah, I could we would spend a lot of time on this because it's so fun. Right. It's so fun to talk about. Uh, Sherry, thank you so much for calling in and uh, hope to see you again next time. I'll Thanks be off next week. Uh, if you want to call John, that's okay. I won't be hurt. But definitely call in <laughs> that's why I called show. in Norman. See, I didn't call in last week. That's true. She waited just for you. <laughs> I feel you. Called in just for you, Norman. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah, good to see you. And uh, call yep. in when I'm back in a week. Okay. <laughs> Will do. Uh, wow. Bye. It's 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 amazing how fast an hour can go. It really is. Uh, and uh, we're so grateful for so many people to uh, join us in the chat, call in, uh, talk to us. And um, I think, uh, Valeria, your your vote count for blowing everyone's minds is probably like going off the charts right now. Uh, thank you for a lot of that incredible insight. I mean, really, like strong first showing for sure. Here's here's like here's <laughs> what I bring to the podcast or here's what I bring to the live show. I wish that Eagle Moss would make an alien stand for the ship that's coming out. That's like my big contribution. Oh, and mine is kiss, right? kiss, kiss. Yeah, <laughs> which I think is so much more like just emotionally connected than like say, hey, make a product that looks like this so I can stick my ship in there. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> like I want a giant plastic ladybug. You know, you're bringing in like heartfelt emotion. Valeria is bringing in like plot threads that like cover, like, like, like they cover all of like the different movies and shows. It's, it's, um, it's variety, people. It's a variety. But you know show. what? To thine own self be true, Norman. Ask for that stand. And I think that that's the perfect message to end on. So uh, Mission Log, thank you, everyone, for joining uh, us in the, in the chat and everyone that uh, called in. So Mission Log is Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live provided by Lord of the OBS, Earl the Green Knight. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcasts. And if you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Before we go, Ashley, is there anything that you would like to plug for your any upcoming appearances? Please follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Ashley B. Robinson. The V is very important. And uh, if you want more Trek on my podcast, Geek History Lesson, we interviewed Dominic Keeney this week. <gasps> for reals yeah That's i right. love him so much it was enterprise so 20 yo Heck celebrate yeah. <laughs> that's what i'm talking about thanks everyone for joining us who joined us here live or who will join us later stay safe stay healthy we look forward to talking with you next week this is a roddenberry podcast for more great podcasts visit podcast.roddenberry.com